0: You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org.
1: Well, welcome to the church service this morning. And I want to begin by speaking just for a moment uh, as a way of introducing the message, because the message is completely tied to our theme of the year of discipleship. We did that last week. We're going to do it again. Today, and then next Sunday, one more time, if you were here in the beginning of the year, that's kind of how we introduce the year. We we try to get everyone attached to this idea that we are, as a church, discipling one another. There's a lot of that going on, and it needs to obviously increase. We're praying for that, and so we're trying to make you aware of what that looks like, and that's the purpose of the message today. It is honestly to get you connected to what this is all about, to uh, to in a deeper way define Discipleship, and uh, it's it's a it's an incredible subject in Scripture, and it's so important to spiritual maturity. So, with that said, I want to start with a testimony. So, for me, uh, I I signed up to be a part of the discipleship program, just like everybody else signed up. It was an intentional thing that I did, and I had three men that I got to go through it, uh, go through the discipleship curriculum that our church wrote together, and we met for four months nearly every week. There were a couple of weeks that we had to work around, and we did uh, and and made up for that, but we we stuck together. We had, you know, I'd say somewhere in between 10 to 15 times we gathered and met for an hour or two hours and studied the Scriptures together. It was a wonderful time of growth. Myself, Jason Vaness, Jake Spradlin, and the one I'm going to ask to come just give a short testimony, Jim Thomas. So Jim and I were friends. Uh, we, We met. He became a member of our church. He and Suzanne his wonderful wife, and they began attending here. But I always had a special uh, place in my heart for for Jim. I just, we became good friends, we got close, but I knew that God had something more for him. And I just, I was praying that God would just open that door. I'm going to let him tell you that story and how God used discipleship in his life as a way of introducing my message this morning. So Jim, thank you. Hey, good morning.
2: Morning. So, (laughs) like Eric said about I don't know, six months ago, he approached me a, about joining the discipleship program. And my first response to him, quite honestly, was no. And, and so he asked me why, and I just said, you know, I'm just, I'm just not uh, qualified. I guess in the word he might use is I'm not a mature enough Christian. So it's kind <clears throat> of embarrassing to stand in front of you to say, but I'm 61 years old. I grew up in a Christian family. But in 61 years, I'd never read the Bible from cover to cover. And so I just didn't think that I was qualified. And so in the end, you know, Eric, in a short story, you know, Eric convinced me to join. And as we started to meet, the more I learned, the more questions I had. And then after the second meeting we had actually between the first service and the second service right on this aisle, I cornered him and said, you know, I think maybe I, I need some help. I need to change. I'm slowing the group down. You know, I'm asking too many questions. Do I need to stop? And what I didn't realize was we had another one of our members. His name was Jason. He had walked up behind us and heard me. And before uh, Pastor Eric could answer the question, he said, no, you're a part of the team. And if you've got questions, you ask questions and everybody will learn. And so you know I'll tell you that story, but these meetings are, are are a lot more than just a couple of men getting together and reading some scripture and saying some prayers and so what we what i 'd say is the men that got together really bonded. you know we have a a, a friendship that'll probably last forever, and the people that I was associated with i 'm absolutely sure that if I called them at two a m on a Saturday morning and said I needed help, they would come help me as I would help them so You know the real reason that i'm here to talk about it is you know if you want to change your life if you want to improve your christian life to another level this might be the program for you if you're you know i'll say if you have the courage to come meet with some men to talk about to read some scripture talk about what it means and pray a little bit i believe it can change your life i know it changed mine and more and just maybe just as important as it might change your family's life, and so from from there, I think back that over two thousand years ago, Jesus was here to change the world, and so he found a few average people to help him, and so I'm telling you he's here today, and he's looking for a few more people. So my question is for you, for you men out there? If not you, then who? If not now, then when? But I guess just as importantly, you know, if you're going to change the world, how? And Eric and some of the men that work with him who've dedicated their life to Jesus and studied the scripture have narrowed the Bible down. And so big, thick book, they've narrowed it down to a small piece to help help you get started. I think this is the right program for many of you here. And if you would like to join... Eric will explain how to do that later on.
1: Jim, awesome. Thank you. Great. I couldn't be more, uh, more proud of, of, of Jim and others, and I, I feel like he feels that way about me too because I want you to know the title of my message today is this, Discipleship, and I think it's in your worship, God, at the very top as you open the, the page, Discipleship, the roadpa- Roadmap to Spiritual Maturity. Now, let me say this. I'm on that same journey. I may be at a different place on that journey, but that I've identified where I am on the map and I want to go in a certain direction. So before we get started with that thought, with the title, Discipleship, the Roadmap to Spiritual Maturity, I want you to look at 1 Corinthians. And what I want to do is I want to identify in our text this morning, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going to dip into chapter 3 a little bit, I want to identify the three categories of people that are in this room. Everybody in this room today this morning is in one of three categories. And so as we progress uh, progress through the message, I would love for you to identify kind of which category you're in. And that's a positive thing. It's a positive thing to identify that. The first category of person that we see as God identifies this in the text is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14. I'm not going to read the entire verse. I just want to identify three words that identify the first type of person, the first category of person in the room, and that is this, the natural person. The natural person. If you're looking at your text, you can see the whole verse, but notice it begins with those three words, the natural person. Second category of people in this room is the next verse, verse 15, and again the first three words, and it says this quite clearly on the screen, the spiritual person. And then the third category of person in this room, we're going to dip down into verse 1 of 1 Corinthians in chapter number 3 where the Bible says, But I, brothers, I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh. And so what I'm going to do just to simplify that statement, not a spiritual person, not a natural person, but this is the way we're identifying, Scripture identifies this third category of people, and that is a, a carnal person. So you're a natural person, you're a spiritual person, or you are a carnal person. Now, we, humanly speaking, we divide people up into different categories too. Believe it or not, sometimes we use terminology like, well, they live on the rich side of town, or they are upper class, or they're middle class. We have all these different ways to categorize people, but the Bible doesn't do it that way. The Bible categorizes people in one of three categories— Now, the goal of this message and the goal of this discipleship series is number two. It is that everyone in this room, regardless of what category you're in, that you would determine you want to be in that category. That'd be the goal of discipleship, the goal of the message, the goal of what we're desiring here as leaders here at Gospel Light is that you would be, I would be, we would be a church that is on the road map to becoming a spiritual person. The Bible is a road map. That's what it is. And it guides you to where you need to be. But you know what I found out about a map? A map is of not much value unless you know one thing, and that is this, where you are right now. For instance, if you were to go to a big mall, right? I mean, some of these malls are just gig- gigormous. I mean, you know, you, you, they've got hundreds of stores in them or maybe a convention center, they're massive. And you're wanting to get to a particular area of the mall or the convention center or wherever you are. And what is the first thing you do? You stand there, you look, you notice a red dot. And that red dot says you are here. It's the first thing you need to do is identify, okay, where am I in this gigantic place? And this morning, where are you in life? This morning, I want you to find out where you are so you can get where you need to be. And that's the goal of the message. The first question asked to man in the Garden of Eden, Adam, where are you? Believe me, God didn't ask that question because he didn't know where Adam was. God wanted Adam to know where Adam was. And God wants you to know where you are. Sometimes I feel like we can hide behind a church service. And I remember church when we used to go to services three or four times a week. And we kind of prided ourselves in, you know, three to thrive. And we we always went to church. And we felt as if we were growing because we sat in a pew and nodded off. If we were sleepy, it was just easy in a large building to kind of hide and just feel as if we were doing enough by just attending a corporate service. Well, we do a lot less of that now, and a lot more teaching the Scriptures, diving deep into the Word with one or two or three or a small group of people. And so this morning, I want you to help me identify that group, and honestly... The ultimate goal of all of this is positive. It's, it's We want to grow. We want to become spiritual people. That's the goal. So three questions to find out where you are. Are you ready for the first question? It's in your notes and it's this. Are you a natural person? Are you a natural man? Are you a natural woman simply doing what comes naturally? You see, here's what the Bible says about the natural person, about all of us really. In Ephesians, in chapter 2 and verse 3, it says that we were by nature, all of us by nature, children of wrath. Like the rest of mankind. And so let me give you three marks of a natural person as as we understand what this is. First of all, they are born into the natural world. I mean, that's just simply put. Every natural person had a natural birth. They were born into this world naturally like anyone else. But there's something called the second birth. In fact, it's called being born again, right? If you've never heard of it, let me give you a little illustration. So a vice president, a former vice president, one time had identified himself as being born again. And he was public about it. I've been born again. So the sitting vice president at that time was interviewed. And because of what the previous vice president had said, he was asked the question. Like so-and-so, have you been born again? again and his quote was this no I haven't been born twice I count myself lucky to have been born once kind of an astounding statement but the truth is one day he won't be so lucky to have been born once if he's never been born twice because to be born once you die twice but to be born twice you die only once To be born once of a natural birth and to be born again means that I only die once, but I live forever with Jesus in eternity. But what is this natural person having been only born once? Well, it's like a precious baby that we dedicated yesterday, little Evie evie bird and what a wonderful service we had a number of people attending and moms and dads and a grandma and grandpa and aunts and uncles and friends and family and small group members and it was a wonderful occasion and we we celebrated the the birth the natural birth of little evie we dedicated her to god but at this point evie uh was born into this world and she's so cute And to hold her, and all you can say when you hold her is like really silly things, like your voice changes, you go from, hello, how are you doing? And you talk funny, and you're like, it's so wonderful, and she's so precious, but she's a sinner. And that doesn't shock the Bird family that I'm saying that. I want to tell you and everyone else that you don't have to teach that little baby to lie. You have to teach Evie not to lie. They'll not have to teach Evie to steal they have to teach her not to steal is is there an amen out there i know we're talking about a precious little baby but all of us were born as children of wrath you won't have to teach the levy to be selfish you'll have to teach her not to be selfish psalm chapter 58 verse 3 says it like this that the wicked are estranged from the womb they go astray from birth speaking lies The natural man has been born into the natural world. He's only had one birth, just one. Seven billion people today on planet Earth. Seven billion, seven and a half billion. It just, the number's increasing all the time. Seems like it was yesterday that I heard five, five and a half in my lifetime. At one point, I heard, I think it was a younger lad, five and a half billion. That was a few years ago. We're already two billion beyond that. With seven, seven and a half billion people on planet Earth, you could take all of those seven, seven and a half billion people, every one of them, and extract all the goodness, all the righteousness, all the positive qualities out of all seven and a half billion people, put them in one person, and there still would not be enough goodness to save that one person from an eternity in hell. They'd still have to bow at the foot of the cross and be born again. Because the natural man is only born into the natural world. But number two, not only are they born into the natural world, they are blind to the spiritual world. In fact, in our text, it simply states it like this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14... It says this, that the natural person does not. Key word they're not. The natural person does not accept. Or maybe you have a translation that uses this word, receive. They just don't receive or accept the things of the Spirit of God. In fact, not only do they not accept them, they actually think they're foolish. It's crazy. They are folly to this person. Now watch this, watch this. He is not able to understand them. Because they're spiritually discerned. He doesn't welcome spiritual things. The natural man has no appreciation for spiritual things. The natural man may sit in a service like this and appreciate some things, like, man, those people are pretty nice, or man, that music was decent, they did a good job, the lights were well done, and man, I like the infrastructure, the architecture of the church, I, I enjoyed this or that, or the other things that he can appreciate. But I can assure you he cannot understand the things of the Spirit of God it's it's not possible you go back and look at verse number 18 on the screen it says for the word of the cross is folly to those just a previous chapter same thing notice for they are folly to him he's not able to understand for the word of the cross salvation is folly to those who are perishing it's Foolish, they cannot understand because until you are born again, you will never understand this book. You know, it's it's interesting, but I remember when I was a younger, much younger person, I can still remember. I was raised in a single-parent home and I'd go back and forth to mom and dads. Dads every other weekend, moms during the week. But I remember both of them had a 13-inch television with an antenna sticking out of it. Now, those are the thing of the past, but they are worthy of this illustration. And we had, we, you know, we had to kind of put those antennas in the right spot, right, to connect with some signal that would bring something in from some faraway land. Now we have satellites, and we have, uh, you know, much... In fact, if, if you were to tell, you know, great-great-grandpa what we have today, he wouldn't believe you. There's no way, you know. We have all these different ways to get a signal, tuners, in order to be able to, to, to bring in this... These, these amazing truths and pictures and things. My illustration to ask you to connect with that and the natural man is that the natural man, here's the problem, he has no antenna. He has no tuner to spiritual things. This was the problem with Nicodemus in John in chapter number 3 and verse number 9 when Nicodemus looked at Jesus, the master teacher. He was this great teacher in Israel and he said, how can these things be? You're not making any sense. A second birth? What do you you must be born again? What in the world? How can this be? And Jesus then looks at Nicodemus and says, "You mean you're a teacher in Israel and you don't understand these things? He had all this education. He had all these degrees, but he could not understand spiritual things. He could not understand the second birth because the natural person is blind. To the spiritual world and thirdly they are bound to the material world this world is the only world they know it's all they know so they they don't have a capacity for spiritual things and so they 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 find uh materialism and sensualism they, they look for those ways to fill this massive void in their lives and so jude tells us in verse number 19 he explains it by calling them sensual persons which it's the same word uh, in the Greek as the word natural. They're sensual persons. They live by their senses. They are materialistic. They are sensual persons. They cause divisions. Why? They do not have the spirit. They're trying to fill the void in their lives, not with God, but with materialism, with things, with sensuality. Augustine said it like this, there is a God-shaped vacuum in every man's heart and though he will try to fill that vacuum with everything he can try to find and with greater things and greater riches and greater vacations and bigger 401ks and 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 the riches of this world he will always find himself empty and void because God's the only one who can fill that learn this about Christians learn this about us Christians are not natural people who decide to do better, but rather Christians have been radically, dramatically, supernaturally changed by the power of God. I'm going to come back to that in just a moment, but I want you to remember that. We're going to come back to that note on the screen in just a moment, but natural, the natural man is bound to the spiritual world. Here's the question. Are you a natural person? Are you a natural person? Number two, are you ready? Secondly, are you a spiritual person? Let's look at the screen in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15 again. Notice the words again, the spiritual person. So let's talk about that for just a moment. Are you a spiritual person? The natural person does what comes naturally. The spiritual person does what comes supernaturally. The natural person has been born once, and the spiritual person has been born twice. So let me give you three marks of a spiritual person. Number one, the spiritual person lives by the Spirit. And we sang about that this morning, didn't we? We sang, we said, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. If you're a spiritual person and you live by the Spirit, that song meant a whole lot to you. Because a spiritual person lives by the Spirit. This person has been born Twice, he's been born again. And now for the note on the screen. Learn this about Christians, and here it is. They're not just natural people doing what comes naturally. But a spiritual person is someone who has been radically, dramatically changed by the supernatural power of God, something called the new birth. This is the spiritual person. He's received the Spirit of God. And becoming a Christian is truly a miracle, It is a miracle. I can tell you, I've seen people so changed. I mean, I've heard their testimonies and there's nothing like it. Only the power of God could do what I've heard in people's lives. Only God's power. It's not man's power. It is the supernatural power of God. You see, Christian is becoming something that we could never become on our own. We can't do it ourselves. It requires a supernatural power, and it comes only from the Spirit of God. And so a spiritual person lives by the Spirit. But secondly, let me tell you something, another mark of a spiritual person. They not only live by the Spirit, but let's bring in some discipleship here. They learn by the Spirit. They learn by the Spirit. Think about verse 12 again in our text. It says, now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit. Who is from God? Wait. Oh, I'm sorry. I read the wrong verse there. I apologize. I'll read the screen. Are you ready? Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Oh, I did read that, right? (laughs) I just read the whole thing. That we might understand the things freely given by God. So just for a moment, I want you to see verse 12 in light of verse 14. On the same screen. Here it is. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Their folly, he is not able. But notice, the spiritual man is able to receive the things of the Spirit of God. The natural man is not able to receive these things. Because when you get saved, the Holy Spirit of God turns the light on in your soul. And we sang a moment ago in that song. I think it was the very last song we sang I'll build my life. Talked about God opening our eyes. God, show me your wonders. I want to see you more. I want to learn more. I want to know more about you, God. That's my heart's desire, is to know you, God, and to know your word. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 27, the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. And when God comes into a person's life, (laughs) he illuminates that person. He turns the light on. He puts the oil of the Holy Spirit of God into that person. And they begin to learn from the Spirit. It's an amazing thing. But what I'm learning today as I'm discipled is I'm learning from the Spirit. He's, he's speaking to us. He's showing us things. And it gets exciting. Yes, you have questions, but it's amazing how when you get three, two, three, four people together, how God begins to show each individual man something fresh and new from His Word. Number three, not only does the spiritual man live by the Spirit and learn from the Spirit, but he's liberated through the Spirit. He's liberated. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15. It says, the spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. What does it mean when it says he judges all things? Well, It's not speaking about someone who sits in some big chair and judges everyone else and, you know, and and determines who's guilty and who's not guilty. It's not like what goes down at the courthouse, uh, you know, during the week. This is not what Scripture is teaching. That word judges is uh, the word discern. And maybe your translation uses the word discerns all things. It's talking about inward discernment. The spiritual person sees things through a different lens. The spiritual person has a different value system. Why does he have this? Because of what verse 16 teaches. It says in verse 16 that the spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one for who has understood the mind of Christ. So as to instruct him. But the spiritual person, here it is, has the mind of Christ. That's why every day of my life I understand I need the mind of Christ. That's the difference. That's what makes... A spiritual person different than someone who's never been born again is that the mind of Christ is in us. We can think like Jesus thinks. And one of my prayers every day is, God, help me to walk the path that you would walk if you were here in my shoes. Help me to to think the things that you would think. Help me to say the things that you would say. I desire this morning to have the mind of Christ and I can have the mind of Christ. And that's why we have a different value system. That's why we see things as believers differently. So when a person receives the Spirit of Christ, they live by the Spirit. Here's a mark of that person. They learn from the Spirit. They're liberated through the Spirit. This world system doesn't squeeze him into its mold. He sees through things. He has a value system that's completely different. He has the mind of Christ. And then it goes on to say in verse 15, not only does he judge all things, but it says that he himself is judged by no man. What an interesting statement. He judges all things, but he's not able to be judged by any man. What is Scripture teaching here? It simply says that he understands the unsaved man, but the unsaved man does not understand him. In fact, as you may well have experienced in your journey as a Christian, the more you become like Christ, the more the world thinks you are a loony tune. You're crazy. You're weird. Whoa, I don't get it. And they, they, they begin to, 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 to make fun of you, and they think you're crazy, and you're strange, and you're weird. And I've experienced this in my own life, but I've also heard the testimonies of folks that were radically, dramatically changed by God, and, 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 and what people said about them. I remember Bruce Fry, who was used to sing in our church. He was saved out of a life of drinking and alcohol and bars and kind of the country music scene. He was really good friends with Hank Williams, but he got saved, dramatically saved in a church service. And as he met those people in his life again, they said, what happened to you? You're crazy. You're weird. That that doesn't make any sense. Bruce understood them because he'd been there, but they could not understand him. So I want to take just a moment as I come to the last point of my message. And I want to take a time out. I want to see if I can bring it all together before I give you my last thought. I want to take what Jim shared with you so powerfully. I want to take what we've shared so far in the message. I want to take all of what we're talking about, the roadmap, trying to get where God wants us to be, the fact that are we we a natural person? Are are we a spiritual person? In just a moment, are we a carnal person? Look at these questions through the lens of this testimony, and I'll give you my final concluding thoughts as we get on this
0: roadmap to spiritual maturity. I wanted to be like my father. I wanted to have a nice car like he had. Private jet to to fly on when we went on vacation. I wanted to be able to bless people like he did. I wanted to be respected like he was. I saw my father occasionally. He was busy building waste management at the time. His life was uh, filled with hard work. Traveled with interesting people. He had a certain amount of power. It was a life that that seemed exciting to me. I made an incredible amount of money working with Wayne Sr. there. I began to have wealth to fly, to have a nice sport fishing yacht, to live in a big home, to have an incredible amount of disposable income sports teams we drank, we drank in excess, went to the kind of clubs that you didn't tell your mother that you went to. Commanded an audience and said whatever came to my mind, whether it was to you or to your wife, self-focused. Do what I want and I'm gonna please me no matter what that means. That was my life. An incredible banquet of all the things that the world had to offer, but just never getting full, never being satisfied, never being able to push away and say, okay, that's enough. Suddenly I was lost. Happy, but unfulfilled. Something was missing. Well, I got a call from a couple of friends and they said, hey, Junior. We got a chance to go on a nuclear submarine for three days and cruise from South Carolina to Florida. Do you want to go? I said, done, we're there, we'll take our plane. And I was introduced to Captain Brad Fleetwood McDonald. We became incredible friends. He took me on his submarine, so I started taking him out of my fishing boat, and I began to ask him questions about leadership. I thought, who better than a man that commands 120 gentlemen underneath the ocean for six months at a time. And every time I asked him about leadership, he had his Bible. And he had this incredible peace about him that was unlike any that I'd ever seen in all the people that I had met through Wayne Senior. And one day I got up my courage and I asked him, I said, you know, Captain Brad, why are we so different? Junior, he said, you have a hole in your heart. It's consuming everything that you're trying to put in. Everything you do is trying to fill that hole. And the only way you're going to fill that hole is with a relationship with God. I thought, could that be it? Could it be that easy? All these things that I've been chasing, all these places that I'm going, a relationship with God. Well, I went home and I tried to find a church. pastor gave an incredible sermon and at the end, before he closed, said, Do you think that there's a reason that God allowed you to be born? Do you think that he has a plan for your life? I felt like he was talking right at me instead of the 4,000 people that were there. I stood up out of my chair like I was launched out by springs. And I can still hear this voice inside of me that said, Junior, sit down, you look so silly. But there was no way. I made my way to the down the road to the aisle and forward to the front of this church that I'd never been to before. And I fell to my knees. And I began to cry. I cried, and I listened to that pastor, and he said, repeat the simple words and ask Jesus into your heart, and I did. I told Jesus that I was sorry, that I loved him, and that I wanted to know what this plan for my life was. I wanted to be in this personal relationship with him if he wanted to be in it with me. It's power, not Junior's power. God's power, the Holy Spirit's power, the power to change. I went home, and I tried to explain to my wife what happened. She looked at me, and she said, I don't know what happened, but I'm worried. She told me at one point that I'd been abducted by aliens. I didn't know what to tell her. All I knew is that I was indeed a different person success for me is that one day when I die and I see Jesus that he'll look at me and say well done my good and faithful son wow
1: I'll stop there what a what a powerful testimony so much of what I've said in the message is connected to that testimony. I mean, think about it for just a moment. How powerful is it to see God get a hold of someone's life and use the message of a servant of God to do it and and, and be looked at as someone who's been abducted by aliens now? You see, when you become a spiritual person, this world won't understand it. Well, you'll understand it, but it won't understand you. This is called the liberated life. But there's another category of person. So let's move on to that third category. But before we do, I want to ask you a question. Has anyone identified themselves yet? Have you identified where you're at on the map? Are you a natural person? Born into the natural world? Blind to the spiritual world? Bound to the material world? Or are you a spiritual person? someone who lives by the Spirit and learns by the Spirit and has been liberated through the Spirit. Or maybe you're a carnal person. See, the natural person does what comes naturally and the spiritual person does what comes supernaturally, but the carnal person actually does what comes unnaturally. Let me give you a passage of scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 as we introduce ourselves to this third category of person beginning in verse number 1 here's what Paul said in the church to church people sitting in pews and seats and on the ground and whatever context they were sitting in he said this to these church people brothers brothers I could not address you as a spiritual person it was impossible Oh, you're saved. But I couldn't address you as a spiritual person. He says, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you are not ready. Three marks of a carnal person, quickly. Number one, the carnal person is a Christian, but they are defeated. They're defeated. And that's what Paul was saying here. Brothers. I could not feed you as a spiritual person. I I, I couldn't help you like I I really wanted to. It wasn't possible. I I, I fed you with milk because you couldn't handle anything else. They're not living in victory. They're not physical babies, but they are spiritual babies. In fact, sometimes we see people that have been to church for 20, 30, and 40 years, and they are still spiritual babies. I think about my children. I'm so blessed to have five beautiful children, and, and I remember, you know, when, when my children were little, I'll just take Joe as an example, and here's little Joe running around the house or, or trying to run around the house, and he's just barely, you know, able to walk, and, and, and I remember the first day that I yelled through the home, my home and said, Carolyn, Joe, Joe, Joe just said, Dada! And I was going crazy, I was loving it, he called me Dada! It was so special, it was so cute, I was was so excited that those words came out of his mouth. But if Josiah, my 27-year-old son, walks up to me today and says, Dada, I'm gonna say, son, what in the world's wrong with you, boy? 27 years old, man. Talking like that. Dada. You get the picture? And this is what Paul's addressing here. He says, in essence, it's okay for a baby to be a baby. It's okay for a baby to be a baby. But Paul says, I could not address you as a spiritual person. They're living a defeated life. And the problem is they never grew up spiritually. And a carnal Christian is the kind, it's kind of a contradiction in terms. It, it's, it, I feel funny saying it. It's like saying there's a heavenly devil. It just doesn't make sense. It's a strange... Truth. Vance Havner said it like this. That the church today is so subnormal that when a person becomes normal to the rest of the people, he seems abnormal. I wonder today, even in the church, if somebody's on fire for God, if the majority of the church just think they're weird. Let me tell you something. They're normal. That's the way Christians act. They're, they're not weird. That's what happens when you get born again, when you become a spiritual person, when you're regenerated. I'm telling you, the Spirit of God comes in when you live and learn and you're liberated through the Spirit. It's a game changer! You don't care if they think you've been abducted by aliens. That's a compliment. I'm good with that. And yet we see here, that, and I think Vance was right, that is the church today. It just It has become so subnormal. When it ought to be normal to be a Christian who is, is excited about discipleship. And, I mean, the line is just going down the street to sign up, to become more like Jesus. This is, this is it. This is, what, this is what I've been born for. This is what I've been saved for, to become like Jesus. Wow. An opportunity to do that? Sign me up. That's normal for a Christian. A carnal person is a Christian, but they're defeated. A carnal person, secondly, is a Christian, but they're dependent. Notice it says here in verse number 2, very clearly it says that I fed you with milk, not solid food. I had had to kind of baby you and pamper you. You were dependent on the pastor or on whoever, not dependent on God. Because a spoon-fed Christian is a carnal Christian. Look at Hebrews chapter 5. It's much more clearer there. And I want you to look at it and try to just take a moment. And and again, we're trying to find out where we are on the map. It's a good thing. So we can get where we need to go. Notice what the writer of Hebrews said. He said, about this we have much to say. And it's hard to explain. The reason it's hard to explain is you've become dull of hearing. So please listen. He said, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, I mean, by this time, five, ten years into this thing, 15 years into salvation, really, you should be teaching, but here we go again. i got to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. It's a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers... Of discernment trained by constant practice constant it never ends discipleship never ends you say pastor you mean you haven't arrived not even close not even close i stand before you today with 20 almost 29 years of experience in pastoring a church and i still feel like i've got so much to learn I'm so hungry to learn it. I I learned from Jim. I learned from Jake. I learned from Jason. It wasn't just me sitting in some high place. No, I was bringing my stuff to the table, and they were actually helping me too. It's an amazing thing. Notice in verse 12, and I want you to be very, I want you to put it back up there just for a moment. I want you to see it. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, but you need someone to teach you again. I think that is a powerful passage, a powerful verse, a, a reminder to all of us that the writer is basically saying, you know, I wanted to give you a steak, but if I would have given you a steak, you couldn't have swallowed it. If I would have given you a steak, you couldn't even chewed it, and, and you probably wouldn't have been able to digest it. I wanted to do this. I, you should be a teacher, but here you're having to be taught again. I'm afraid that some carnal Christians, church members, they want to be fed with a bottle and burped on the way out. They're dependent. They're defeated. And thirdly, they're divisive. A carnal person is a Christian, but they're divisive. Look at verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 3. You're still of the flesh. This is Scripture. This is Paul speaking to this church. He said there's jealousy, there's strife among you. Are you not of the flesh behaving in a human way? For one person says, hey, I, I like that pastor, pastor better than that pastor. I like that church member better than that church member. I like that person better than that person. Look at me. I know it's a little distracting, people walking, but stay focused. Listen. You're divisive. What then is Apollos? What is Paul's Servants to whom you believed Is the Lord assigned to teach. I planted Apollos water, but God gives the increase what happened to this church here's what happened they were dividing over non-essentials they were fighting over things they like little babies fight over things they were complaining about things they were not seeing the big picture i remember when we took our first trip to hawaii my wife's sister and brother-in-law live in hawaii in fact i tell guys anytime you're dating a girl ask her do you have any relatives that live in hawaii if they say yes, pursue. <laughs> so, I mean, just by God's grace, we, we, I think we've been there 17 times to visit family. We have a graduate there now. But the first time, I'll never forget it. I was so happy. We, we get on this plane, me and Mo and Joe, and we fly to Hawaii. I think Zoe was with us maybe at the first time we went, just the three of them. We get there. Oceans, beautiful oceans and beautiful skies. And I mean, it's Hawaii. They call it paradise, right? Beautiful. We stopped to eat our first meal. I mean, here we are, Carol Ann and I, we're, we're so proud to take these boys to this wonderful place and have all this fun. And we get the first meal in front of us and it's hamburger and we ordered fries, but Joe didn't get his fries. So Joe said, what's wrong with you, boy? We're in Hawaii. I get no fries. I wanted to fry his behind. (laughs) We're in Hawaii. You're missing it. And sometimes I think we're missing it. We're missing the big picture. This world needs Christ. We need to grow and become more like Christ. Honestly, church, who cares about the color of the carpet or the paint on the walls or, you know, every little jot and tittle and tweedle D and tweedle Dum. at the end of the day are we becoming more like Christ or are we being divisive and so identify where are you at on this roadmap to maturity are you a natural person lost never received Christ unsaved never been born again well this morning would be a wonderful day to experience the second birth and become a spiritual person. And here is this spiritual person that's been born again, living in victory, which is the normal way to live. I think sometimes we feel as if, if a Christian's living in victory, well, they're just like one in a million, you know, they're lucky. No, that's, that's supposed to be all of us. That's, that's why Jesus gave us salvation. It's, it's victory in Jesus. It's, it's what we sing about every Sunday. It's, it's why we can lift our hands or, or just sing and praise God because of the victory he won at the cross. Amen. Or are you a carnal person? You've experienced salvation. You are saved, but no one would ever know it. No one would know it. Here's our prayer, and it's in your notes. It's the last. It's at the bottom. I think we put it on the screen. Here's our prayer. Is that in this year of discipleship, that you would become, that we would become a spiritual, a church community that is becoming more mature in Christ. That's the goal. Every one of us. We don't leave anybody behind. We don't want anybody to be left behind. But we want everyone to know this is the goal. This is why the banners are up. This is, it's, it's not just some cliche. We couldn't think of anything else to do. No, this is, is the most exciting year in the history of gospel life in the history you say but you've had more exciting themes than that we've never had more powerful meaningful christ honoring themes than that this whole theme is about becoming like jesus and the way to do that the way the road map is discipleship it, it's 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 leading in teaching each other the scriptures it's getting deeper into the word it's asking questions Jim it's asking questions Jason was right to say no that's what this is for no Jim you're doing good you're actually making it more enjoyable by asking questions you're hungry Jim I'll never forget Jim calling me a few weeks into discipleship hey pastor what, what do I do next i have listened to the whole Bible what do I do next what's next this guy's on fire I mean I'm so proud of you and Jake, and Jason, and the rest of the men. But now it's time to add the ladies and more men. And so the invitation is kind of twofold. One, it's respond in worship. It's, it's respond at the altar, respond to salvation. But two, it's respond to discipleship. And so in the atrium and the foyer after the service, and I know it, I noticed in the first service, and we got more people here, obviously, it took a little long, just Don't worry about your email address right now. Just give us your name and phone number to go quicker. And we'll try to get papers spread out so that you don't have to wait in the long line. We just want you to sign up and say you're interested. And if you are interested, how powerful, how amazing would it be now that we've tested it, now that we've seen God work in these 40 men and we're so excited about it, we'd like to ask you to join us. Ladies, men, join us. Say, well, How much time? Well, usually about an hour a week. If you can't get together, you can always postpone it till the next week. I'll say this, that I think, Jim, most of the time after the hour, we kind of forgot about the time and it went two hours and we finally just had to say, guys, it's been two hours. You say, I don't know if I got two hours. Well, you might be shocked when you get into it how much fun you're having. It might actually be better than your tea time. No joke. I'm serious. It's that good. And Jim's right. The bond you create with people, you get to know them as you open up. And I want to open this up to seniors in high school, all the way up to the oldest person in the church. Marion Harold last week turned 100 years old. Can I tell you something? Marion still wants to grow. A hundred years old. And I cannot tell you the times I walked up to her, sitting over there with you ladies, and she said, Pastor, I needed that. Thank you. She'd go to my wife's Bible study every Friday, 199, 98 years old, and she would come hungry for more. Oh, it's not your age, old or young. Until we see Jesus and become just like him, we're on a roadmap to maturity. So we have church a little bit less here now, like the big gatherings, the ones you can, like this one, where you can just kind of come, slip in, slip out. We have that a lot less now. Actually, just once a week. But we do this a lot. This is where it gets good. This is where the church gets healthy. This is where we become mature in Christ. Sign up after the service. Become a part of the most exciting program we've ever had at our church. Becoming more like Jesus. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you so much for what you're doing and what you've done. Take the words, the message. Lord, take the thoughts, the questions, and open our eyes. Show us, God, clearly where we are. And God, then may we determine that we want to be more like you. Father, take our lives a living sacrifice. And we desire, God, this morning, we commit this morning to be more like you. God, I love you. I thank you for the listening ears and the receptive hearts. I pray that if there's anyone here today that has never truly gone from natural to spiritual, that this would be the day that they would desire to respond to the Holy Spirit's conviction and say yes, like Wayne did. Say yes and let Jesus fill the void that nothing else can fill. In Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we stand together?